mystery and horror, the air itself is filled with monsters. Children of the night, what music they make. Well, hello, all you monster fiends, and thank you for joining us for another deep dive factoid filled episode exploring Hollywood's most famous monsters. I am your master of ceremonies, Sam, and with me, as always, is Dan from Bleed and Marvelous. Say hello, Dan. Hello, Dan. Oh, hi, Dan. <laughs> the sultry sounds. Oh, I love it. Oh, have we got one today? Have we got one today? We were quite we were quite inspired by the some no no it wasn't a Sunday podcast it was a movie review that was recently done on the mummy and we were like oh we have a mummy in our uh, in our Universal monster catalog so we decided we were going to do Boris Karloff's 1923 mummy the mummy I should say not mummy that sounds really weird <laughs> mummy. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. Ah, so I'll get the disclaimer out of the way with and we'll just crack on with this week's episode. So, oh, that was really high pitched. Um, it really was. Oh, I don't think I've ever reached that tone before. <laughs> so, <laughs> everything discussed in today's episode is our opinions and our opinions alone. If you'd like to discuss anything from today's episode, please come and join us on the Facebook page, the comment section or the Discord where we can have an open discussion. What we won't have is anyone coming for us and telling us our opinions are wrong. We can all agree to disagree in fandom. So let's keep it fun, keep it kind, and keep the toxic behaviour out of nerdism. Don't be a dick. I really, really wanted to burp during that. <laughs> <laughs> She's a lady. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa, whoa. She's a lady. <laughs> yes, Treated as... to a song this early, aren't they? <laughs> oh, no, I know. Um, as Dan said, yes, don't be a dick. Um, so, The Mummy from 1932, directed by Carl Freud. Now, he is German, so I'm sure I'm saying that right. Uh, Freud, yeah. Freud. Freud, um, yeah. Freud. Starring <laughs> Boris Karloff. Who? Bo- the, the man himself. <laughs> He's finally in a film. Boris Karloff, Zeta Johnson, David Manners, Edward Van Sloon, and Arthur Barron. Are you ready? God of gods, death is but a doorway to the new life. We live together. We shall live again. In many forms shall we return as we bring you the mummy. It is the beginning part of the movie. It is the starting point of the movie which i i watched last night for the first time um and it's 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 not it's it's not not my favorite it's it's not my favorite however however boris karloff's performance was very good that was i think i was there for him i stayed for him i mean i stayed for this episode but i did stay (laughs) for him (laughs) Karloff was the only reason I watched it because I have to say for all of the stuff that I'm sure we'll go through on this episode I Mm -hmm. found seated I want to say it's Johansson Johnson I I can't oh my god I probably said that wrong I probably called her Johnson it's actually uh, 
Johnson, isn't it, or something it's, like that? Hang on, how do you say it? Scarlett Johansson. Johansson, is that it? I think it's something along those lines. Or Joanne, so, or something like that. I'm really yeah. sorry, Zita. Um, I'm just calling her Zita from now on. Yeah. Uh, I thought her acting was absolutely abysmal in this film, um, and and it, it it took me out of the movie to watch yeah. it. Um, I, I mean, we love a bit of over the top acting in in the tw in the twenties, thirties. You know, Absolutely. Universal Monsters, the women are always like, <laughs> and fainting. Let's just look at Luna O'Connor, for example. <laughs> That's the level of of enthusiasm we are going for. She was as dry as fucking sticks. The original Scream Queen set the bar. She did. Overacting for me. Yeah, but, no, um... I, to I totally agree. She was, she wasn't the great, to be honest, the, the supporting cast was not the, Sarah. They weren't the greatest. The love interest, the the guy who was in love with Zeta's character, yeah. he was very fucking vanilla. But the two guys, they had the two guys who I didn't quite catch their names in the movie, and um, the ones who were kind of suspicious and they were trying to burn the scroll. Um, they they were slightly a little bit more interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. What Universal do when they work out something's doing well. They must yeah. do something very, very similar. So what they did was they took the guy who played Frank Wemple, which was the love interest, yeah, and the guy who played Dr. Muller, uh, which was Edward Van Sloan and David Manners. Mm -hmm. They both were coming directly out of doing Dracula um, because Frank Wemple, the young love interest, also played Jonathan Harker in Dracula, um, the original Dracula, and then... Dr. Muller, Muller, Muller Rice, yeah. He was Van Helsing in Dracula. And he also oh. played Dr. Waldman in Frankenstein. So he's coming off the back of that success. Yeah. Into the mummy. Um, so mm. and also one more similarity to Dracula, mm -hmm. the opening. Yes, very much. I I I like I was like, have I put the right film on? Yeah. I, do you know what I would have said? Yeah, if I hadn't already known that fact before I went into watching it, mm. um. But I thought it was an incredibly strange, strange choice to make. But then I was thinking to myself, is this the is this what they were looking for in every single Universal monster movie? So it was kind of like it was a link, like a formula. Like that's how the yeah, yeah. The, that's how they would open their movies, um. And then I was like. It was the no. Swan Lake. It was um, Swan Lake, yeah. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They played that that piece of music over the um, over the beginning. But to me, I, I I thought it was more fasinating watching the maquette that they made. You know, the the they actually made the pyramid and put the the yeah. mummy in three D, which was like something that people hadn't seen before. Yeah, it was mind blown for the time. Yeah. Like nineteen thirty two. I might have said nineteen twenty three at the beginning. I do apologize. It's nineteen thirty two. I am such a liar. <laughs> but yes, nineteen thirty two. Um oh gosh, where was I? What was I thinking of? Oh, that was right. When I was watching it, I genuinely and I remember saying this to Alan, I was like, I feel like this was meant to be a silent movie. That actually I have got a couple of things about that because that was what they were going for. In in the movie, there's a couple of um, flashbacks, which was something that wasn't done as a rule in, yeah. in Hollywood at all. And the flashbacks to um, Ardeth Bay looking over his, his pool 
yeah uh, they were ho homages to the early silent movies so yeah. that's what they wanted it to make it look like you know the ding 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 ding, 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 ding you know and, and the, 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 yeah i'll get the, you tried to the train tracks all that sort of stuff <laughs> it was the opening scene gives it initially especially with the the speech that i said at the beginning is actually on a it it's a bit longer but it's actually at the front of the movie just before like you've got all the because back in them days you had the credits at the beginning um of the people who were starring in and then this sheet comes up with the, with that speech and it was the only thing playing is is swan lake and as soon as you get into the movie all music stops there is no background music whatsoever there's no soundtrack to this movie which should really and i thought when i was initially watching it and i was watching like you know Karloff waking up in that tomb i was like this should be really fucking intense because there's nothing in the background to suggest where my emotion should be i should be on the edge and i don't quite feel that i think I don't know if it would have made any difference having a soundtrack in the background, but there was just something sometimes like no country for old men works with no music playing because the a level of intensity of the actors, yeah. you don't need it. Um, but the, the, there was no level of the, the, that level yeah. wasn't there. I'm he, I knew what I, I was thinking to myself last night about what I was going to try and say about this point, but it's just coming out shite. <laughs> because if you look, I mean, I know the creature was like 20 years later or so, but if you look mm -hmm. at, say, The Bride, she yeah. had her own theme. Uh, it was reoccurring all the way through the movie. That was a little bit later than this. So maybe they learned. I mean, obviously, as we haven't done Dracula or Frankenstein yet, we can't really talk about the two movies that were the mummy's predecessor but yeah maybe it's something they learned as they went along to add more soundtrack as they go i don't know but well, i'm sure we'll find out as we we sort of as we, with them but yeah um, well the poster yes. for this the poster for this had to because for all we know boris karloff and he is probably the main person we talk about in every episode regardless of who we are covering he will always get mentioned he was not known off the back of frankenstein no so when they were doing this movie they had what they thought was one of the biggest stars in hollywood not everyone knew who he was so they had to put his they literally put his surname in capital letters mm -hmm. <laughs> the uncanny underneath yes. yeah what Just was that nickname about the uncanny i don't know actually it doesn't make any sense is... but yeah they had to they they had to put it in bold letters Come on! he's in it shout, shout it at you um you know yeah. Frankenstein he's in this <laughs> but also uh there was some issues with uh Zeta because she was originally billed as the co uh the co-star of Karloff on this but she refused to sign a picture deal with Universal so they then punished her and put her down to a supporting oh. acting role. Hollywood stuff, I know a... what they did to her in here, but like the, Hollywood that... has a tendency for doing that, especially mm. to women who go against what they would see as the norm, because you would yeah. never see a man do this. Um, Zeta didn't have the best of times on this movie to start with. No, it's been pretty horrific for us. Some of the stuff I read was. Yeah, I didn't go into the great detail of it, just the. But IMDb, 
-hmm. put her down as a difficult a difficult co-star but when I read other things it was how bad of a time that she had with the director yeah. and she she record she recorded and the uh, the flashback scenes in more detail and the mass majority of it got cut out that is a shitter for an actress to look back on and go hang on a minute i did all that fucking work the makeup the sets probably the hours and it just got took away from her um yeah i wasn't i wasn't overly convinced with imdb's description of she was difficult to work with no basically from what i dug a bit deeper on that one because i found it obviously this is the first time we will come across this the sexual discrimination i don't know what we're calling it these days um but it's the first time we've come across this in a movie even though it's well known it was rife it, mm -hmm. it's the first time i've really seen it to this extent yeah um carl freund didn't like her he just didn't like her she was a free thinker mm -hmm. and um quite an independent woman she was born to two german parents in romania um and then she came over to the us so she was from europe she was so as we well know the europeans had a little bit more freedom yeah the free way thinking and they were back then so um she he didn't take too kindly even though he was german himself he just didn't take too kindly to her sensibilities and her attitude mm -hmm. um so he would do these horrific things to her like uh he's he stuck her in you know when all these flashbacks that they cut out the the big like of her past lives as anaximum yeah um one of them was he stuck her in a cage of lions and then they all got in cages so they wouldn't get eaten but he left her in the cage with lions live real lions what a fucking dick and he filmed the whole thing um he also made her stand you know the, the beautiful goldish yeah. lame dress she wears at the beginning he made her stand for two days solid while they filmed those scenes because he didn't want to crease in the dress. So she had to lean on a board. You know, they do the board lean, like with the yeah. costumed guys. So he had her lean on a board instead of let her sit down in that dress. My God, uh, no wonder, like knowing that now, no wonder her performance is as stale as it is. But by God, she was fucking beautiful. She <laughs> wasn't, she's not this platinum blonde either. No, dark hair. Not, no dark head be oh my god she's absolutely stunning but it is it's like this this it's she, it's almost again like she's been in a silent movie mm. it's the big eyes i think sir. yeah her really facial expressions are, her facial expressions are brilliant but there's a when she gets taken over by Karoff and she's at the door there's no there's no mm. like and then, mm. but, there's no enthusiasm like there's nothing to push her to get like if she was that taken over she would have kicked that like drop kicked that door down yeah. but yeah i mean the, the the worst thing i say worse he put her in a cage of lions but um that is pretty bad one of the things he did to her was that um he pushed her so hard he told obviously the people at the office that she needs to be fired she's terrible blah 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 and she turned around and said to him if you want me topless in this film and you can get it past the censors, I'll do it. Just call his bluff. Mm. So, I mean, no one's asking her to exploit herself, but she's prepared to do it just to prove a point, which yeah. I doss my cap to her. But if it got that bad that she said, yeah, all right, then I'll be naked just to shut you the fuck up. So, yeah. You know, I... yeah. 
it's, I mean, it, it is pretty horrific. And I think when we when we cover movies of this age, you, we're going to come across stories that are pretty uncomfortable yeah. to listen to. But it is, unfortunately, it is part of Hollywood history. You can't you can't turn the corner even in nowadays you can't turn a corner without coming across some of the most grimmest fucking stories mm. i highly doubt we will ever co cover judy garland on this podcast ever but if we did it would be one of the grimmest fucking episodes we ever do and they, the monster would be her mother and the director and, at mgm and, and hollywood in, it, hollywood in, itself. in itself absolutely um but yeah one thing I wanted to mention at the beginning of this, we are actually celebrating, as of right now, 100 years of Universal Monsters. And I totally forgot to bring this up at the beginning. I even have it right at the top of my nose. 100 years, Sam, say it. Um, <laughs> Hunchback of Notre Dame came out in 1923. Yeah, it, honestly, when we talked about that. was about what that... came out in 1923, not this. <laughs> that i think we talked about it on the nerdy up north podcast that we did that covered all the monsters that one mm -hmm. i watched the hunchback and i have to say that to me with a because i saw it with a new score so someone had taken the movie and they'd written an entire score oh that's own, right um and then they put it to the movie and it was just absolutely stunning it was absolutely stunning because it was filmed but then they kept putting these hues on the movie so you'd see it in like a pinky color and then it'd be in a greeny color and a bluey color. and i don't know what they did but the whole thing just really worked well for a yeah. film that was 100 years old you know they, they did that with um with phantom as well didn't they because mm -hmm. when i watched it you look you go from black and white to the the masquerade ball mm -hmm. i'm not joking I like give me yeah. the fucking chills like literally yeah. like, not just chills in a bad way like i was i felt so uncomfortable oh it was we talked about phantom before yeah yeah, we have. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't remember these days. The My Phantom memory is shocking. It's our third most successful video on this podcast uh, of Monsters Up North. Top one is Pennywise. Mm. The second one is with the wonderful Mike from the Geek Asylum, the Thing yes. episode. And the third one is the Phantom. That is amazing. Um, yeah. A bit concerning. That it is everyone's favourite, given how we all know a lot of people are scared of clowns. That's hmm, it's still that common curiosity they all have, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know, massively, but, absolutely um, massively. Well, the guy who gets the most love, the most love outside of Karloff on this movie, is our good friend who is dead, Jack P. Pierce. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um his royal highness hrh jack pierce yeah yes we um we had a we had a rough time or he had a rough time Ooh. i should say on werewolf on the wolfman yes. he does not have this in this movie at all what they did to carloff and how carloff sat there and took it i don't know I because don't know. he is not Lon Chaney Jr. Because um, <laughs> he is hard as nails. Yeah, he, the the makeup the makeup process is actually probably the most interesting thing about this movie. Um, but it's it is very similar to the Wolfman. He doesn't move away from that hot glue aesthetic. He is, but he's moved away from fur and gone with cotton wool. Yes, cotton wool to get. So there is a this scene. If you've not seen the Mummy, and I 
honestly don't blame you if you haven't it is a very old film but you will have seen the image of Karloff looking directly into the screen the one with his face down and his eyes out and the his eyes out yeah and his little feather on yeah absolutely right oh is she is she she is i look like a dunce <laughs> get in the corner <laughs> he step yeah but yeah, he, that scene where he's looking directly into the camera, you, you can see every crease, every, mm. uh, that is all made up with cotton wool. That is so uniform though, because I, I found that hypnotizing mm -hmm. and that was the whole point of it. Yeah. You know, to, to stare into his eyes and, and just concentrate on his face mm -hmm. because they backlit him. Yeah. I think. And then they, they, they backlit him and they, they did have front lights because obviously yeah. the, the effect we are, we all who have used ring lights know the effect <laughs> of what they can do for our eyes yes and how they provide that very lovely light like light circle it did the same for Karloff as well but they did backlight him they backlit him and frontlit him but yeah. only ever so slightly here so that is more predominant um so his face is more it was just how uniformed every one of mm. those lines were when it's so symmetrical when you look at it up from from his underneath his eyes right down to his laughter lines yeah they were just so symmetrical and obviously with the process being as, as savage as it was i know he had some issues emoting didn't he, he couldn't yeah he couldn't move yeah he found this one more arduous than the, the frankenstein makeup or something i i heard a quote saying yeah that, but he wasn't mad about it so yeah. uh, we we joke with Karloff saying you know he was he you know asked to do every movie in hollywood it isn't untrue for the Universals. They really did want him to do every movie. And he did turn the mass majority down because of the makeup from Frankenstein. However, with this one, it was, yes, it was probably more work, but it was, it was, oh, I don't know, the process of it was a lot different. It wasn't as taxing. It wasn't as grueling. And it wasn't a case of he always had to wear it. It was purely because I think from what I can gather, the... Ardeath Bay makeup didn't take as long. The no. Ardeath Bay makeup was literally just the face. The hands weren't really, mm -mm. didn't have much done. Um, it was that just opening. Now, this is what I heard. I don't know if this is right, because I'm sure you can tell me if I'm wrong. The opening, well, not the opening scene, but the scene where you first see the mummy in the, mm -hmm. in the um, sarcophagus, it's an actual wooden mannequin yeah for the beginning part of it because yes. you can see there's no nostrils yeah That's yeah that that, that, that is not Karloff standing there so he's literally standing as we know him when he opens his eyes mm -hmm. yeah um and he's in it as the mummy for I think a total of I think it was like six minutes it's he's, not the grand yeah it's, it's a slow burner but it's not a we're in bright time. territory yeah with this mm -hmm. um because you see him for i want to say maybe 10 seconds at the end as well when he's going mm -hmm. into his weird trancy thing you know when he's like i was gonna say melting that's not what i mean like when he was gonna turn into dust um at the end dust. you know when the, when the i'm gonna get this right the scroll of thoth was thoth. being burnt hey yeah uh, there's half the half the shit i couldn't see it i kept i kept seeing imhotep wrong i'm probably saying it wrong now because Ant had to keep correcting us um anaxonomon yeah see i only know 
both of those from the pronunciations <laughs> of Mr. Fraser's version. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, otherwise... if, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be able to see them. Now, there's been, I'm going to come back to Jack Pearson a bit because there's a lot yeah. to do with his makeup, but there has been a lot of mummy sequels within the Universal wheelhouse, within Hollywood's wheelhouse. However, they are all different mummies. There are different <laughs> mummies. The only time Imhotep comes back onto your screen is in the Brendan Fraser mummy. Yeah. That's the only time that, that, that name comes back into Hollywood again is then and before it was Karloff. The thing about that as well was they were bloody clever with the 99 version because they do a whole scene which mirrors and parallels the scene where Karloff gets wrapped for uh, gets wrapped while he's alive and, and mm -hmm. stuck into the thing. They, you see an entire scene where they do the same thing wow. to the guy. And I can't remember his real name because I didn't look it up. And, and I know I'm going to kick myself because he's been in so much stuff. But the guy who played the mummy in yeah. Fraser's version, they mirror the scene. The only difference is they tip um, scarab beetles in there with him when yeah. they put the lid on. Whereas in, in the Karloff one, they just stick the lid on while he's alive and then they desecrate his sarcophagus because they don't want him being buried with the jewels and the finery. Yeah, you don't and get nothing. He gets nothing for what he did because he was trying to bring her back from the dead and that was a no-no. But, um, yeah, the, I actually found some weird shit out about a couple of things to do with this because, you know, you go down these side rabbit holes. Um, yeah. And I didn't want to concentrate on Karloff himself too much because there's there's a we have of so, opportunity. We have so much that we want, like... We have episodes of Karloff's most greatest movie and himself, yet we have done so much within The Bride that we need to stop. <laughs> so we won't be talking wholly about him, just about, no. like, processes. Just to, do with, just to do with this movie alone. Yeah. I'm leaving I mean, everything else out of it. <laughs> the, the, um, the idea of a mummy being brought back to life isn't an Egyptian idea. It was invented by Hollywood. So the uh, supposedly take a um, seat, children. Yes, the Book of the Dead or the Scroll of Thoth, which is supposed to mirror the Book of the Dead, mm -hmm. um, basically isn't about reincar reincarnate um, raising the mummy from the you know the dead. It's uh -huh. about giving you another life. It is the process of what he does to Amoxin Ra. Amoxin um, Amun. I can only yeah. say it when I'm doing it in like a lower tone. I've got it Fraser's written down, style. but my brain just doesn't, it doesn't roll off the tongue easy. But what <laughs> he does to her where he's implanting her soul into somebody else, mm -hmm. that is from the Book of the Dead. Um, mm. And the fact that what they do, the way they wrap them is to give them another life when they move on. So they have fineries and riches when they, when yeah, they move on to that's wherever what I they remember. go. Um, so the idea that you can raise a mummy mm. is not an Egyptian nothing to do with them it, it was invented by hollywood from this movie which has then set this rhetoric across all these movies to say that you can bring a mummy back to life and it's like the egyptians are like not no, in egypt no you fucking can't no, no <laughs> so I, I did not know that i knew yeah, about well, the, the fineries and the reason why they had them for us for what they had in the afterlife um i remember at school we make an egyptian bread yeah, we did we did a whole whole thing on the Egyptians and we and I remember my parents buying us for Christmas because I'm that much of a nerd. Um 
hieroglyphics, stamp hieroglyphics. I remember that. My sister, I'm gonna ask my sister about that if she can remember it. It was like a it was like an ink pad, and I had all these hieroglyphics that I could stamp and make conversations out of. Fucking hell. Um <laughs> massive. But yeah, I remember making um I remember making uh, Egyptian bread at school. And it was fucking great because it was rock hard on the outside. Absolutely. They made a point of throwing it off the wall and it just being in one piece when it hit the ground. But when you break it open, when you can break the bread open, it is so soft inside and it's so tasty as well. But you can only really have the middle part of it. Yeah, you have to. And you have to be able to crack that open. I always remember that. I can even picture it in my head when we were doing it at school. Because I remember saying to my grandmother, you need to make an Egyptian bread. And she was like, no, absolutely not. I will, because my gran used to make bread on, she was one of these who did it on the the store, like on the fire. Um, And she was like, absolutely not. You will have a normal loaf and you will fucking like it. (laughs) Wasting my time. How dare you? But I did Child with your history. I did find out that Imhotep was actually a real person. He wasn't oh, yeah. a fi- fictitious character that they made up. He was the, the original oh. architect of the pyramids. Well, I never. And nothing like this. He was never disgraced. He was actually the only um, Egyptian that was, uh, other than the pharaohs, to be made a god. And Hollywood have taken his name and fucking tarnished it. Shit on it. Shit on it massively. Absolutely shit on it. He he was, um, they took the pyramids as such an achievement of wonder and um, just architectural magic that they thought that even though he wasn't a pharaoh, he must have had some embodiment of the spirits of the pharaohs or however they, you know, why well, he ain't fucking bringing them back from the dead, man? And uh, they treated him after death as same as they would a pharaoh, and they gave him the, the burial, and he was he got godlike status for the pyramids. So I thought and that godlike. was cool. Yeah, that is really cool. I did not know that. I never found that. Um, like within me reading, it was mainly more just about the actual film itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked engines. Well, actually. Going back to makeup, um, only because it, you mentioned the fact that Imhotep was a real person, mm-hmm. the makeup process, the makeup look for Karloff is based on Ramesses III. Yeah, which I thought was good. I thought that yeah, was a me good too. choice. That was a good reference. So, yeah, and it took eight hours to apply. Now, if you think about Jack Pierce's processes in the past of one's episodes that we've done, it was a lot longer and a lot more grueling and um, but he did use a hot gun like i said earlier cotton wool well, bear in mind this is all that was showing and then the hands when he pointed at the map with the ring on yeah that that really other than the bandages it was this and this that took them yeah that's the right time. yeah that's right i was just trying to think there um yeah he's only his face and his hands are really all that shown so uh, it's not it's not as bad as Frankenstein. He doesn't then mm. I think that's half the reason why he did it for was because yes, I'm gonna be in makeup. 
but it's not going to be as grueling as yeah. walking around in it for God knows how long. Um, he did say to Jack Pierce, well, you've done a wonderful job, but you forgot the fly. <laughs> I don't understand what he means. He can't go to, for a piss because oh, he forgot for his flies. And that's what I've taken it as. He, there he was just... no context no. to the fly. No. And that's like, what I presume. I was just like... I was thinking... Well, he's dead. So, does that mean like <laughs> there's flies around him? But okay, that makes more sense than what was going in in my head. Um, he got on very well with Jack Pierce in this movie. Yeah. Um, really well, which is great because Jack comes. Jack had probably I would say, looking back and knowing what we know of his work, I think this probably was the one that he might have enjoyed the most. Um, but he did win an award for his makeup in this it was from the i've got it written down the hollywood filogram filogram yeah filogram film or gram something like that and um, they had they give him an award for the makeup because it was outstanding it was actually um some of it was a bit groundbreaking for makeup which is really bizarre given how his technique was towards the end of his career looked upon as you are not progressing whereas mm. in this one he comes across that he has progressed if that makes sense so like when we watch rick baker talk about him he was saying you know towards the end of his career he wasn't progressing in the way that makeup should have gone mm -hmm. and he was refusing to do techniques that were being tried and tested he yeah. was sticking with his own way of working whereas it feels like when you you read about the makeup on this movie he took risks yeah and he took yeah. chances i would say so because he was pioneering in his own way i mean yeah how, how many other movies of 1932 do you hear people saying yeah i cop glued cotton wool to boris Karloff's face to make yeah. him look dried and husky and we mixed it with a bit of like dirt like mm -hmm. do you know what i mean it was like yeah it's how simple did, yeah it works. exactly and then lines and then wrinkles they don't mm. come from any like that is full-on prosthetics that's proper like carving into the, the cotton wool once it's laid um, yeah. and and drawing into it and all sorts or whatever, however else they did it. But like, yeah, I, I wouldn't say he wasn't progressing. He just wasn't going the way that they they felt thing, the direction that they felt, I think Hollywood was starting to go in. I don't think they felt he's, his methods fit with that, that, that anymore. And, and uh, that's sad. It is sad, um, especially the more I'm getting to know about him. Because I had such a the way Rick Baker was putting it to like putting it, and I don't think he meant to, and maybe I took it the wrong way, was that he was being stubborn about it. And I don't feel like that's the case at all now, knowing who takes over from Jack when he leaves Universal. But I honestly wouldn't be surprised if at some point we find out that Bud Westmore bullied him out. Oh, 100%. I reckon Bob Westmore went to his mates because, you know, the good old boys club. And he was like, oh, no, he's rubbish. Yeah. Look at these fantastic techniques I've stolen off Millicent Patrick and pretended I did all by myself, you know, and I will stand and pose oh, next to this thing and pretend I did it when I bloody well did With a scalpel upside down, fucking charlatan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, I, I yeah, just I, Honestly, because I know he wanted a big contract and his brothers all had 
big contracts they all had something that was huge and the Westmoreland was massive and he had nothing and I would not be fucking surprised if it came out that he bullied his way into that position and unfortunately Jack fucking paid the price for it yeah yeah 100% because the the way that he comes across if you go and read up about this movie is just nothing but of brilliance um the award that he he won he had up until his death in the 60s I think Jack Pierce died um and then it just went missing when he's when his house was emptied out um I imagine a lot of things were catalogued could not find this award at all and everyone just thought it was lost like apparently it must it, it must have been a big deal if someone was looking for it yeah um and years and years and years and years later you open an old prop cupboard up yeah. and behind everything is this award clearly didn't mean anything to Jack yeah <laughs> obviously yeah <laughs> but yeah you could like Jack really is that Jack is the star of this movie in a sense because his work is what we're like I'm re like really looking at because there's he, not a lot that goes on in this film I'm not gonna lie to you he's Kate he's at this point when the mummy comes out we've had Dracula and we've had uh, we've had the Hunchback, we've had Dracula, and we've had Frankenstein. So this is the fourth one, if we're yeah. including the original Hunchback. But Lon Chaney did his own shit in that one. So really, Jack comes in at Dracula. I think he was on Dracula. Um, I could be wrong. No, uh, I we think haven't he done might... that one. We haven't done, done Dracula yet. yet. And I stay away from stuff when we do. I literally yeah. am just concentrating on what we're doing. But we definitely, definitely in Frankenstein. We definitely, know we know it. Yeah, um, so, and then obviously later on goes on to do the Wolfman. So much more. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. he. There's a huge period of time where Jack isn't heard of, though. Yeah, from, massive. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, we're intrigued to go into Jack, so we will at some point. We'll do oh, a big absolutely, deep dive on Jack. absolutely. My opinion has completely changed on him from because I, when I've you know just on my own back being looking at stuff of Frankenstein and um it it comes across in some articles and things that you read that he just wasn't a great person and that's not it that's not what I'm getting when we're going into further like when we were talking about the invisible man the way that he was with all the female uh, actresses in a sense not in a creepy sense it was to do with the, it was all to do with makeup he was not their makeup artist mm -hmm. There was another makeup artist doing the beauty makeup, but he was like, he was showing them how to do it so consistently and in because he was really good at beauty makeup. Mm. Um, and it just it, the more I'm reading about him and knowing about him, that my perception is changing about him because it wasn't great to start with. Um, and he just like I said, he comes across lovely in this movie. The, the interesting fact about this one, though, was that this being, like I said, around the fourth movie to come out of the Universal um, repertoire, this was the first movie of the four that wasn't based on a novel. It was written by... I have that, uh, I have that written here. <laughs> yeah, it was written by Nina Wilcox Putnam and Richard, Richard Shiler, Shayla. Yeah, that's um, absolutely right. Now, do Shale, you know... Uh, where the inspiration for it came from yeah because there was the big egypt rush wasn't there but i'll let you you talk about that but like, yeah there was that big fascination thing that happened after it was to do with the um finding of tutankhamun mm. in the 20s the finding 
and the revealing and the screenwriter john l balderston balderston yes. was present as a reporter when they opened it mm. it's in the new this, york times wasn't it yeah yes yes and this was the inspiration behind the screenplay i was fucking like my jaw hit the ground i was like because it wasn't a book like mm. we've had before like everything we've done up until this point is a book phantom of the opera hunchback yeah all been adaptations haven't they this is the first one that hasn't been Dracula. yeah this is the first one that is inspired by real life events so i think that's wherein their formula failed for this film if i may be as bold massively um, they had moments where instead of instead of being able to elaborate in scenes there are odd scenes which they literally replicate from dracula mm -hmm. but do it with this uh with like it, it, they use an ank instead of a cross or yeah uh, there's certain scenes in 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 spaces where there's a few people that are acted very similar like um where van helsing's in the room uh, mm -hmm. and there's a very similar version of where the guy that played van helsing that is in this one as well is doing pretty much the exact mapping out it's like mirrored quite quite similarly that I, I saw a youtube video where they had the the dracula and then they had the mummy playing side by side the oh scenes. really and you could see they weren't far off it was it yeah. was pretty i mean it felt like they'd just given in and gone that'll do oh if you're using dracula as a blueprint of your movie then something has fucking clearly gone wrong because i'm sorry it's not one of my favorites again but maybe i will look at it afresh. i am finding the more i know about movies the more i know about the movie i'm look watching i get more interested in the actual movie i, I did love dracula for different reasons than it being dracula it's 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 weird i mean when we get there i'll, I'll let people know why but i yeah. i love is it john john is not john landis john landu is it landu in edward who plays <laughs> um Lugosi in edward i think it's Landau. Oh, martin landau yeah martin yeah landau. martin yeah. that's it that's my bella Lugosi. <laughs> me and my sister constantly quoted uh quoted it's the carloff fuck you i haven't seen that movie in donkeys edward oh i need to I... go back and watch it but you know you just think it's like one of those movies someone will bring it up and you go when the what's the last time i watched that I think but, it was a good couple of years ago for me. It was my sister introduced us to it because she was a massive, she was a massive Johnny Depp fan back in the day. And she was like, you have to watch this. Um, but yeah, it's the Karath. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I looked into mummification as well because I thought, I'm actually quite curious what they do to the bodies. So Settle oh, back, just, children, and listen yeah, so to I'll just give you a little to Auntie Dan and her and her TED talk on mummification. It'll take all of two minutes, but I'm going there. Um, <laughs> they take all the organs out of the body except for the heart. They leave the heart inside. Oh, that's that's nice of them. But that's what they put in the copic jars. They put all the the important things oh, in the copic that's jars. Right? Yeah. Um, the body is then salted for forty days, so it 
dehydrates and gives the mummy like look that to makes it. sense yeah makes sense they then after the 40 days is up they then rubbed perfume oils into the skin the the human leather um nice. to take any smells away that i presume that they would accumulate in that time or just to give a more luxurious feel if to it's the, sold the there's no if if it's been sold on the body there's no fluid there at all yeah <laughs> but then that um, that's the smell is the fluid yeah i i just presume there would be some sort of I fucking, hate, I fucking hate that I know this. <laughs> yeah. No, I just assume that there would be a certain smell to human leather, like once it's been salted. I just imagine that it'd have a, a very unique smell. So like ham. <laughs> like crackling. Um <laughs> Oh, it's making me feel hungry. Um lumpy. nice. Yes. Um but yeah, they rub in uh, the perfume oils and then what they do is they lay a layer of natural resin. So like an amber kind of Oh, sticky... is that what gives them that kind of orangey like, Yeah, basically glow? that's what makes the bandages, the linen, stick mm. to the body. Okay. And they rinse and repeat that process a couple of times. And they will also then, depending on where they are in the hierarchy of pharaohs, they put an offering on the chest and for mm. some of them they were like these super rare birds that were around at the time and they would do mummify them them in a small little uh they'd put them in these weird uh like sand concrete little stones but the yeah. skeletons and the bodies themselves were inside and then they'd lay them on the heart and then they'd do another rinse and repeat of the resin and the uh the linens and how then they would go this, how long was this process going for weeks i presume Fucking um, hell, man! but obviously 40 days for the salting and then i reckon the the resin would be another good week on top of that you know of letting it dry starting again so is it is it true about the brands um and the noahs i looked at that now some people say yes they stick the thing in and they scramble it and they suck it out um others were saying no they just put a tap point in the back and then they do mush it up but they let it drain uh it, it depends i mean the most common method that people did say happened is the through the nose jobby yeah uh, again i hear the fact that i know this but when your brain has been touched in especially after you have you have left and passed on it literally just turned to mush you only have a very small period of time between if your brain is getting taken out or if it's staining because if it's staining it is literally going to go to mush very very quickly sorry to i've made myself feel very ill saying that um <laughs> <laughs> got a little bit cold inside i hate that i know that <laughs> but yeah, you, don't have a, you don't have a very long period of time is what i'm saying after you've died so the likelihood is the tap might have been probably a more effective way if they are but if they, if they're doing it straight away then maybe yeah. up the no the nose. Yeah. I didn't think this is where this podcast was going to take a turn to, by the Up way. The nose scrambled and <clears throat> pulled out. Yeah. Don't sneeze. You can't, you're dead. But you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, no, but, it's really it's actually really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I just thought it was something I just had a quick look into because I thought 
they're making the, the, the process of where they're burying um, Imhotep alive mm-hmm. for, desec- for the desecration or the, the, the reading of the scroll of Toth. Um, they never buried them alive, obviously, because they had to give the, the gods sacrifices. That's why they put them in the Coptic jars. That's why there was that whole thing. Blah blah blah. You, you take some things with you. Yeah. When you get when you get to your gates, you get weighed. You're good versus you're bad. It oh, that's right. So go. that's Egyptian. It's yeah, yeah. What's the um, feather? Uh, it's, that's what it is. If your heart, oh, is it? That's that's and it. the feather. Yeah, um, weigh the same. Then you've been a good person. So you may pass um, Anubis. You go through the gates. Anubis. Uh, that's right. Um, but if your your uh, heart weighs think it's if the i think if your heart weighs more than the feather or less than more than i think i can't remember it's one of the other ways if your your heart weighs more or less then you go to wherever you go to purgatory whatever the version of you, that is you think after as watching moon Knight, i might have actually paid attention to i am terrible when it comes to egyptian gods not even american gods though um the, the whole oh, so thing yeah. anubis thing with uh, that's right with um, the Norse wife. mythology, I'm well up on, like, yes, but when it comes to Egyptian and Greek, I'm just, I am terrible. We but had a yeah. question and we had a question at work the other day, and it was, who was the, um, the Greek god of the, of the sun? Ah. That's oh, Egyptian, Greek. Though. Yeah, that's Greek. Egyptian, yeah. It was Apollo. Yeah. And that was my first instinct was Apollo. And then I went, Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed fighter no can't be son and I, I doubted myself and it was it was apollo because, um, all because apollo creed came into my head and i'm like he's a fighter <laughs> well going into that though um the the name that they used for uh the mummy imhotep when he was a, a human mm-hmm. um so Ardeth bay is actually an anagram of death by ra death by ra yeah, because Ra was the sun god, wasn't he? So, basically, oh, he's the one with the sun in the hand. Yeah. yeah, I think it was a foreshadowing for when they set fire to the scroll at the end. It was fire ah, that set it. I know right. it wasn't sunlight or sun, but it was mm-hmm. the fire that killed him. So, death by Ra. Ra. I, I think there was some sort of link that was a, a tenuous link at that, but I feel like that that was supposed to like mirror the name and uh, yeah. <laughs> There's some um, there's some brilliant spectacular deaths, um, and I say that in the most sarcastic tone I can possibly yes. try and reach. My God, the death at the fireplace when he is meant to be burning the scroll, and the um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that death scene made me laugh. Even funnier when the servant came in afterwards and kind of just stepped over him and <laughs> and then pulled the actual scroll from the fire and replaced it with paper to make it look like it'd be <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> God. This was hey. not the best. It was not the best movie. Like I say. Karloff is the is the main reason I'm sticking it because his performance is brilliant. The his articulation and words is fantastic. I didn't expect him to, to speak in his British accent um, mm. at certain points. I really oh, my didn't. favorite the line that he does that is my favorite, absolute favorite. 
right and i know i say every week there's a line that comes out and i go i want that on my teams don't know i want this it's when he turns around and one of the wimples is going to touch him and he goes i dislike to be touched and i was just like yes boris yes i and need going, that on a t-shirt he said it's an eastern prejudice um and i just thought you don't like being touched because you will crumble to shit because you're made of dust man that's why I just like being touched. But um, yeah, it was just the way he went, I just like being touched. And every single syllable was pronounced. Oh, yeah. He's got you know, such a way with these words, hasn't he? It was so like phonic. It just yeah. sounded nice rolling off of his tongue. He I was has, like, he, he, do you know what the best thing about him is? He has, obviously, he had his British accent, but it's not Queen's English British accent where it's so super duper posh. It's like just, a radio person that speaks yes. like that. This is the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not like that. It's just in. It's very well spoken. It's clear. It's well, and every word is just pronounced beautifully. Mm. He really does put on a performance because if you think about it, the last performance he did, he didn't really say anything. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah that, that, was, <laughs> that was script. that was his script yeah <laughs> the dialogue in this was abysmal um it, it just wasn't chemistry i mean no it was so fucking still she and him when there was that hypnotic thing you could tell that they got on there was no animosity mm. between those two um and she really didn't mind looking at him because they held the gazes really well when it oh, was they just did, the two yeah. of them staring at each other um I tell you the most one of the, the surprising shots that I actually quite liked was when the sun was um on the dig and after about 10 years later after the dad yeah. discovered it and the sun was on the dig and you hear the knock on the door but you can see through the slats yeah this huge person huge in the in, like in the silhouette through the slats because it was mm -hmm. filmed like up and uh when they opened the door i just couldn't get over how tall he looked in that yeah it was crazy how big he looked i mean i think he was six four he was a, he was a, he was a height Karloff. now yeah. i remember seeing when we did the wolfman um yeah lon cheney jr strapping man big mm. man he was only six foot tall when mm. i finally found out how tall he was and i'm like no my husband's six foot that is like i'm five nine he is not tall um but Karloff was tall I thought a lot of it was angles at first oh know, most like, likely yeah but that would have been a big help but I think he was a really tall gentleman that just looked it was just I thought that was a really clever shot because what people don't know is that Carl Fond was actually um the director of photography on Dracula yes um so he'd come from doing those he was responsible for that light shot across <gasps> Lugosi's yes, eyes. He um, he's he. He's been responsible for some of the, some of the most iconic, um, Universal monster poses that you see. You yeah. know the one where um, Frank's looking at his face and he's touching his face, and that famous one, um, mm -hmm. where they've lit it a certain way, and it, he was responsible for that. Um, but I didn't know he did Frankenstein, but it makes sense the. The cinematography of it is very similar to Dracula. 
he was i don't know whether he worked on it or he was consulted on it but mm. that's what i read whether it's true or not i i'm not i didn't really have time to push that that button too much but um <laughs> he he this was his first direct this was his directorial debut um as as a direct you know he he was always a director of photography yeah but never an actual director this was his I mean, first time doing this given his behavior was set with the um with zeta i'm not fucking surprised he didn't get many jobs but oddly, 20 years later, he went on to work for um, Lucille Ball and he worked on I Love Lucy. He was the director of photography for I Love Lucy. Um, and he pioneered something that all live studio audiences are sort of party to these days. He came up with the three camera on one scene. I do. Thing. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Yeah. So. Thinking- Oh my god that was him he was responsible for working out how to time the shots and then work it out in the booth as to camera one camera three camera two camera one you know through one continuous scene so they yeah so they didn't have to film that one scene 42 times from 42 different angles um and keep the that that way they could keep the audience engaged they didn't have to keep reshooting um and and stuff like that but little sidebar that ties us into the trek a lot i mean i don't know whether the trek guys know this but if they didn't i'm sure they do um mm-hmm. lucille ball was responsible for gene roddenberry getting star trek made what yeah now that's taking a turn they weren't going to make it into a tv show mm-hmm. i mean i've known this for donkeys and i'm sure the boys i'm sure goodwill will come and tell me what bits i've got wrong so apologies <laughs> in advance but um she put the funding forward from what i can gather uh she gave the tv show the money uh the 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 channel whatever you want to call it the Mm -hmm. the company the money to make the first episode the pilot of star trek so if it wasn't for lucille ball star trek wouldn't technically exist it would exist but it wouldn't be that is fucking crazy um lucille ball is an interest to me um her whole her whole career is an absolute interest to me and um, that did not actually know that about her and i felt like i did know quite a bit that is kind of like taking me aback a bit mm-hmm. um god i'm gonna i'm gonna go on like a dive now <laughs> lucy the ball star trek <laughs> the thing i feel sorry for in this is um i know we were talking about what carl did to zeta but um yeah originally they wanted to cast Catherine Hepburn now she wouldn't have taken no shit he would have had a completely <gasps> different film if he'd have cast you, her you wouldn't have that director no, if Catherine Hepburn was on yeah. there yeah because I'm Daniel not working with, with you woman. sweetie you can no. just go away yeah, honestly she would yeah that I don't think we, we would have a completely different movie if mm-hmm. Catherine Hepburn was had anything to do with this because the acting would have been so top-notch it would be billed as something completely different. Yeah, I don't know if it would have... I don't know why this movie has the status it does as uh, hailed as uh, one of the top 100 scariest movies of all time. That's true. I don't know what number it hits, but I don't know why it's it's in there. It's still in there, though. It It still made it. But is it because of that line, the most controversial line that was ever said in an early film? Um, because bear in mind this is 1932 what I'm about to say this line that she says um the part of you know Zeta says 
do you have to open graves to find girls to fall in love with? To Frank when he's hitting on her. Because he was talking about how when he unmasked... Holy shit, I fucking heard her say that and totally told it like a blind eye to it. What is wrong with me? Well, she had a smirk (laughs) on her face. So when Uh she was saying it, she actually found the line funny. But um, it was it was where Frank was saying, you know, I when I brought the mummy out and I looked at her face, I fell in love with her. And that's mm-hmm. when she says, do you have to open graves to fall in love with uh, with the girls? And I just thought that that was hailed as quite a controversial line to put in because by 1932 mm-hmm. standards, you're accusing him of being technically a necrophiliac. So, yeah. Not necessarily a participant, but maybe someone but who has to. Do you know, the thing is, oh, that's, that's a woman given a... Oh, it's almost like a back, like a, like she's back chatting, and, yep. that's, and that's kind. That, that's got a lot to do with why I don't think he liked her very much. Because if you see her face after she's read that line out and she's acted that to that the, the Frank, her love interest, she wow. has such a smirk on her face, and that is wow. probably the most genuine piece of acting. That one line that she says and her reaction in that whole movie, that I just think she meant well, every. She loved that one. I fucking heal you zeta like for <laughs> like honestly when i first when i watched it i had zero fucking interest in knowing about that but when i read that thing on imdb i knew there was something more because i am getting pissed sick of seeing this whole women are being difficult she was hysterical women are being difficult and only because they maybe voice their opinion or didn't quite like something but that that causes them to become difficult and typecast as a difficult person um i knew there was more to that story i knew it it did affect her in some ways because this was 1932 she then refused to sign the contract with universal and went on to do two more years with mgm and rko so her very last movie that she did was in 1934 she didn't work again in the movie until 1986 so a 52 year gap that's a gap mind um and in that's damaging yeah um because at rko and mgm she was hailed as a difficult person to work with because that's the title that universal hands to her and unfortunately she can't shake it and now i know we're going to do an episode on him at some point but I am a huge Alfred Hitchcock fan of his oh, movies. Yeah, not him. He's an arse. Of his movies. But when I was younger, I was a huge Alfred Hitchcock fan. And I remember reading about Vera Mills. And Vera Mills's last movie contracted to Hitchcock was Psycho. And apparently Vera was so difficult. She couldn't even get the scream right. The scream that's used at the end of the movie when she turns mother around is actually Janet Lee. Mm-hmm. It's not her. She was the most difficult. She had a kid. Um, yeah, because that happened with Tippi Hedren as well, didn't it? She, whole had, thing she yeah. was difficult during the film with the birds because she didn't reciprocate his love interests. It but was, he fell in love with all of his leading ladies, didn't he? Apart from Janet Lee, because she put him fucking straight. There is mm-hmm. so much I have learned of Hitchcock's women that I turned a blind eye to growing up because I was so infatuated with this master of fucking, not just horror, but this master of movie making. And yeah, I was, yeah, Vera Mills difficult, but like she was, she was difficult, she was awful, like get rid of her. 
she had a kid yeah, that was the and she had a child which meant that she had a life outside of hitchcock and that just and that mm. that deemed her as a difficult woman but yeah um she ended up in a movie in 1986 called raiders of the living dead so that was yes let's watch let's watch it let's celebrate her it was riding off the coattails obviously of dawn of the dead living dead fucking every other fucking land of the dead all of the deads deads. all the deads um and she played a librarian in it but she didn't even have a name oh no let's give her a given librarian that was what her job we'll we'll call her We'll call her Lorraine the Librarian. <laughs> Let's all go and watch this movie. Let's all go and give Zeta a resurgence in in her life or not her life. She she may not she will definitely not be alive. Yeah, she's gone by now. She she went in ninety-three, I think. I didn't write it down, but I'm sure it was somewhere around there. But um I wanted to talk more about her in this episode because obviously she doesn't have the back catalogue. She doesn't have the um provenance that mm-hmm. Karloff has she she never went on to do big things off of the back mm-hmm. of a universal movie like all the other people did that signed the contract there was obviously something in it she didn't like and she didn't want to do it yeah um which I say good for you you know yeah absolutely especially the especially the more that we know now on the way that Hollywood is um with it happens to actors too, but more to based towards actresses. Um, I am so happy that I did not look into what I... I'm so happy I've learned here mm. about her as opposed to going online and just like... Because I would have just read that and went, okay, she was difficult. And then going on and going, oh, she wasn't. I have actually like getting a bit excited about listening to... <laughs> not excited, but interested more interested in her and that she is now the main capture of this podcast and not Karloff even though I can't take anything away from Karloff in this movie because let's be honest he's the only he was the movie yeah Yeah, he was the movie that was the only reason that film is ever listed in any of the top 100s or whatever it's Karloff because he you never you see him again like we said earlier maybe six minutes bandaged up Bear mm-hmm. in mind, his legs were bandaged together inside the sarcophagus. Somehow he managed to walk out of there. But um, I love the way you just said sarcophagus there. Sarcophagus. Sarcophagus. And <laughs> um, before we wrap this bad boy up, there is one scene, one scene that had me fucking doubled over in laugh- laughing my arse off that I nearly fell off the couch was the scene where the mummy is revealing himself. Oh, and the, the gentleman, <laughs> the gentleman who is sitting in the in said room, and goes, ah, ah, and not if that was me, I would be burning the fucking room down. He was laughing he, like a maniac. He went on, he went on like it wasn't ridiculous. It was pathetic. It was when he shouted out. You should have seen his face. He's just gone out for a walk or whatever he said. <laughs> He's just gone just... out the door. It was, and then, like, you find out later on that he was committed he to an killed. insane asylum and he died through laughter. That's what right. they said. Yes. He laughed himself to death. So I thought I misheard that. No. So we're to believe, right? If you are to see a resurrected mummy, you know, in, in person that's alive, that you'll <laughs> die of laughter. 
kind of takes the edge off the whole I will because spooky. what if it happened now on the back of watching that and this mummy appeared I am going to laugh thinking yeah I get what you mean now I do <laughs> I understand <laughs> I understand why your actor was fucking abysmal <laughs> honestly it was um yeah but again going by how tragically shit this film was yeah it it rained this is a weird fact about it the original oh, movie shit. poster uh -huh. the original movie poster was the most expensive poster ever sold um in up until 19 in 1997 it was sold for $453,500 um what? it was only knocked off the spot in 20 uh in 2017 by the original dracula poster which sold for five hundred and twenty five thousand eight hundred dollars so what? they are the That's most expensive a... posters ever to be sold it's but... not a nerdy up north nerdy up, no it's not even a nerdy up, it's not even a monsters <laughs> up north episode if dan is not spilling out some numbers spilling you some... with some math I have the box office numbers because I thought yes. I can't let people down. There's no yeeting in this episode. So, you know. Unless I, unless the rest of the supporting cast are yeeting their careers <laughs> off the air. <laughs> hurling it into space. Yeah. But yeah. Um, <laughs> the budget was quite large. Um, I'm looking actually for the, um, the Rotten Tomato score because I totally forgot to write it down. But, but what yeah, was the budget? The budget was 196000 in 1932, which by today's mm. standards is uh, around $3.9 which, okay, by today's standards, $3.9 does not sound a lot. But for that time, $3.9 for that time, that, that's, that's the equivalent a, that's of. That's a lot, a lot, a lot of coin. Um, it made 370000 in the box office, giving them a profit of 174000 which worked out. By today's means, it made 7.4 at the box office, giving them around about 5 million, give or take, um, return on the movie. So they saw it as a success. With that kind of money in 1932, that would be a hell of a success. That is a huge so, success yeah. in respect of money. Do you want to hear what the Rotten Tomatoes score is? Is it really good? Because I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> 80, 89%. No. Bear in mind. Fake, fake news. Bear in mind, I'm sure Bride is 93. It's not up there with the others. This one for me personally didn't stand up. Um, no. the, the writing wasn't there. It the dialogue just... was, wasn't the only way that it's made interesting if Karloff is reading it. That's the only way. The dialogue is not great. The, the cinema, there were some brilliant cinematography moments in it. The yep. moment with the, um, when he's looking through his, ball of water um <laughs> but it's the steam and everything that comes yeah. up around it when you get into that that is beautiful <laughs> yeah from <laughs> a wayne's world moment isn't it, yeah. but it, it you are kind of transfixed with that that, that swirling because it's beautifully done and very clear yeah for a film that is almost slightly grainy and probably with intent as well because of the the setting of it because when you're in the when you're in the the posh rooms it's crisp. It's crisp. Yeah. When you're with Karloff, it's kind of a bit dirty. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's that. Oh, I, I actually, I was very um transfixed with it. I was like, this is probably the best part of the film. Is that right there? <laughs> and there, there was actually a recent controversy that came out because um, you know the scarab ring he wears. Um, yeah. Oh, I've heard. Oh, I did that read about. 
Yeah, Forrest J. Ackerman uh, was the guy who was reported to have the original ring. Uh-huh. Now, um, upon closer inspection, when they did like for like, so they brought up the shots of the ring in the movie and mm. they compared it to the one that he had, turns out totally different. And he it said that he had it for like, yeah, he didn't. He sold it thinking he had it for five figures to a, a an independent collector, and it it wasn't the original. You are going to be pissed. But Forrest Jackman, if you recognise the name, it's because he was the guy that started the magazine Monsters of Filmland, um, yeah. uh, and also he invented Vampirella. Fuck, I did not know that part. Yeah. He loved Barbarella, Jane Fonda's Barbarella, so mm. much, but he wanted to make a, a, a more horror-inspired oh. monster version for the masses. So he invented Vampirella. Uh, well, he was the co-creator of it. Um, but a lot of people have a lot of time. I think they call him Fozzy, something like that. He has a very short nickname, they call him, and everybody that ever talks about him has nothing but good things to say. So I genuinely think he thought he had the real one. I don't think oh, he was ever, don't like... don't think he was being, like, a dick or anything. No, I don't think uh, he was being, like, a shonky shit or anything, trying to trying to get some money off people. But, um... that's, a, that's a new one. We'll add that to the, the vocabulary of monsters. Shonky shit. He was. He won't be in no shonky shit. No. Uh, I am all out of. I am all out of facts. I am all out of the mummy. Love. I'm so <laughs> lost without you. We end. We start with a song. We end with a song. I'm turning into Ryan Reynolds slowly but surely. I feel you, like it. Yeah. I just don't have his bank account. That's the only difference. That, that's the day. That's. The day you know she does is the day she does not turn up for this podcast. <laughs> She's like, fucking monsters, fuck you. <laughs> Coincidentally, I've just found out today the reason why they call Mac Mac in um, uh, Always Sunny, because his name's Ronald McDonald. Yeah. Yeah. See, Have I, you I, just started I, watching? You have, haven't you? I'm on season eight. I've never watched them back to back. I've right. seen bits and pieces. Um, but I've never seen this episode of the high school episode. Yeah, it was Ronald McDonald. And Ronald McDonald. And I just sat there and I went, you're <laughs> thinking. I absolutely bust a steam, like, stream when that happened. Like, my insides went on the outside. <laughs> I know it's a tangent, but it is related to Ryan Reynolds because they own Wrexham together. But, you know, McElhaney hey, is... Um... It's, not, it's not a Monsters Up North episode if we ain't fucking pulling out some tangents here. <laughs> And can I just congratulate on McElhinney's ability to go from the size he was in that episode to the new season and be half the man he was? Because that's got to take dedication and work. It's funny. Um, we it's did a crazy. we did a whole episode on it, and I'm sure I'm sure I mentioned it on this episode on the episode. Nobody asked him to do that. No, nobody asked him to put that to weight pull. on. Yeah, he just wanted to be able to. He was like, "Wouldn't it be funny if Mac got fat?" And everyone was like, "No." Um, we don't no no not at all and you went well i'm gonna make mac fat because if nobody knew rob mcelaney actually is the creator of yep. always sunny and then charlie and glenn are they came in yeah with him but it was him who created it um but yeah i always find it funny that nobody gived a shit that he put on weight <laughs> and nobody give a shit that he lost weight yep. and then got fucking ripped yeah we're in the phase <laughs> now where he's just lost the weight and he's starting to put the chunk on his arm so i'm, I'm season eight ish i think i'm on now it's when he just of, walks it's just when he walks around in the duster because 
You know, he's got the Morpheus glasses at the moment, and he's reading everybody through the glasses. Oh, his... do no visual scan. Yeah, visual scan, yeah. <laughs> he's just he's just gone to visual scan cricket at the uh, at the imp at the dogs pound, and I and yeah, I'm just like <laughs> cricket. Oh, um, I know we've digressed massively, but like massively. But we did do we did we actually do talk. an M episode. We got Frank. We've got Frank. Frank, that's Frank right. So. I feel like I have some part of that tattoo because I helped pick the image. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was going to be the trash man, but I'm glad I went for Nope Frank. Yeah, Nope Frank. It goes with the rest of your arm, which is Dwight and... <gasps> don't tell me, don't tell me. Ron Swanson, that's it. Yeah, and, and, you, and they're all like... And Laszlo up the top. Oh, that's right, Laszlo. But Laszlo. Got, I don't know if you can see very well. We got. Ron I can there. see Ron fine. And then Dwight's my favorite. My favorite. And then yeah, and then Frank. Frank. And it all fits in lovely with the three of them at the the, at the side, mm. all fucking miserable as shit. And then Laszlo at the top. Get hey, <laughs> <laughs> my darling. <laughs> I love Laszlo. I would. I will actually say at some point we will cover what we do in the shadows Yay! on Monsters Up North because it is TV show aside, the movie is actually one of my favourites. I actually fucking adore it. I love the movie and I love the TV show because the use of Doug Jones in the TV show is a winner for me anyway. Oh, so it will creep in at some point when we cover oh, Doug. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so this has been The Mummy I'm not going to lie. It's been something. I generally was more excited for it before I watched it. Yeah. I, when we, because we wanted to do it in the, obviously we're chugging in Universal Monsters randomly. Um, yeah. But when we decided on this, I was like, fuck yeah. Just like, I think it was Graham who said he enjoyed it. And I was like, well, if Graham liked it, and like me and Graham like have like similar likes when it comes to the Universal Monsters. I just did not get it from watching the movie before doing any research. I just wasn't feeling it. And then when I was doing my research, I was like, I fucking get why I'm not feeling it. Like the only interesting bit for me was just the makeup side of it. Mm. Um, and just how fucking well done Jack Pierce did on this. And that um, of smashing, fake smashing glass when there was no glass in the panes. Uh, that yeah. that was awful. But yeah, I mean, I would say this is yeah. a solid 3.5 out of 10 for me. This movie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give it a three. And the 3.5 is purely dedicated towards Zeta and to Boris and yeah. some of the sign uh, some of the uh photography shots that they use. Um but that that's cinematic shots. Other than that, oof, I, I oof. wouldn't recommend going back and watching it. I, I no. need to get off my list and say seen it done. The, done. the 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 figure of him in the sarcophagus is iconic, I completely agree. But where this mummy came from, the uh, you know mm. that mummy, I don't does know because it no. was not from this film. It does not exist in this movie in this universe whatsoever. Yeah. Um, it's been an experience. I'm glad it's over. In all honesty, <laughs> yeah. um, it's just so, a shame yeah. because no, it's just a shame because like we've had so much fun with the universe of monsters up till now, and for it to be Boris's because we you know we joke how Boris's. You know, I heard Boris was casting this and that and the other. He actually was casting this. And I was like really excited. Yeah, we're going to do. And it's not just a Boris in a costume making a noise. This is Boris actually acting. Mm. Um, for it to be as disappointing as it has been is, is sad. But I'm glad I got to learn more about Zeta. I dedicate this whole episode to her. 
Um, please go and watch her movie. <laughs> Support yeah, Raiders of the Living Dead or whatever it was in 1986. Just type in all the dead, <laughs> Zeta. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God knows what that come up with. Oh, I'd um, hate to think. I would yeah. actually hate to think. Right. Next, next week. week. Next yeah. week. We are going. We are going. We're going for a big hitter. Yeah, huge one. We, we are going for a big hitter. This is a big, big, massive one. This is a chainsaw wielding, massive, skin wearing hillbilly of the. It's not Ash. It's not. It's, it's not. not. We are doing Leatherface. Mm -hmm. And I am so fucking excited. Leatherface is. Texas, I'm going to call it Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm going to call the movie what it fucking is. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of my favorites. Um, I mean, I, I have a lot of favorites, but this is one of them. Um, I find the character so interesting. I will give you arguments and give you sympathetic sides towards this character. I will make you fucking love Leatherface and by the time be... we are finished. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We will be yeah. covering. Toby Hooper's ones, we'll be covering um, the newer remakes or reimaginings or whatever so, we're calling them. We'll whatever, probably. We will dive literally from the Toby Hooper one up until the most recent one. Um, be Which prepared you hate for the passion. <laughs> be prepared for a lot of fucking ranting and raving. Um, probably stuff I've gone over before, but you're probably yeah. going to get it again. Um, but I do have a lot of love for the character mm. and a lot of respect for the character and its um, creators and the movie making. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Um, thank you for sticking around with us for this one. <laughs> it's been, it's been an adventure. Yeah. Congratulations. Gold star. Yeah. Give yourself all a pat on the back. You did it. Yeah. You made it. We are here. Um, <laughs> Please, if you can, remember to like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are available on iTunes and Spotify. If you can, just give the hearts to... It's a heart on Spotify, yeah. Heart on Spotify. But if you can give a like and review on iTunes, it really does help the podcast get out there. It adds into the algorithm and it makes more Monster fans find us a lot easier. Um, we are on YouTube on Monday, every Monday at seven o'clock. <sighs> it's been something. It's, it's it's been three out of five, uh, three point five out of ten. Yeah. No, oh, I'm seeing three out of five. You ain't getting that point five out of me. <laughs> Not a chance. Uh, so yeah. So thanks, Dan. Thanks, Sammy. <laughs> Stay nerdy, everyone. Bye bye. Bye.